0: The very funny, Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney has a new show, everyone. It is called John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that will stream live on Netflix live during the Netflix is a Joke Fest.
1: Yes, it is a comically unconventional show that will feature special guests. I'm very excited for this. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A. debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time only on
0: Netflix. Angela, we're always making lists of the places we want to go, and I've got another one for you. Williamsburg, Virginia. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, an
1: outdoor enthusiast, a thrill seeker, a history buff, or just friends looking for a good happy hour, you'll find what you came for.
0: There is lots of good food and drink to be found in Williamsburg. There's contemporary cuisine. There's local craft breweries. I heard there's a winery that's Wineries, stunning. yes. You could go for a girls weekend, a romantic couples trip, or a family vacation. So for your next vacation, visit Williamsburg. Jenna Fisher. And I'm Angela Kinsey. We were on The Office together. And we're best friends. And now we're doing the Ultimate Office rewatch podcast just for you. Each week, we will break down an
1: episode of The Office and give exclusive behind-the-scenes stories that only two people who were there can tell
0: you. We're The Office ladies.
1: Hello, everybody. Good morning, everyone. I always say good morning. It's because we're here in the morning. we're here in the morning. Every time I do it, Jenna gives me this look like, Angela,
0: it might not be morning for everyone else. Don't stop. Don't stop saying good morning. Should we talk about the episode we're going to be breaking down today?
1: I would love nothing more. I found this episode hilarious. This snuck up on me. Yes. It was a sneaker upper.
0: I absolutely loved it. You know, you look back and you think about the office and... All the, like, sort of obvious ones come to mind. Right. But this is so incredibly good. Mm-hmm. It should be on all the lists.
1: It should. And there was more to it that didn't make it in that is so delicious, and I can't wait to share that.
0: What we're talking about is Broke, season five, episode 25, written by Charlie Grandy and directed by our very own Steve Carell. How fun was that? That was amazing, that is my fast fact number one. Ooh, do it. But we should start with a summary. Oh, we should. I need my order. Go in order. Okay. I
1: need to say good morning. You need to go in order.
0: It's who we it's are. It's who we are. <laughs> All right. The summary is exhausted from making their own deliveries, the Michael Scott Paper Company is steadily gaining clients due to their very low prices. But it turns out they're going broke in the process. Yeah. Meanwhile, Dunder Mifflin is desperate to negotiate a buyout because they have lost several important clients to Michael Scott Paper Company. But Michael has other ideas.
1: I was so impressed and also scared by all of Michael's tactics
0: when he gets out of the elevator and he's like doubled over <laughs> and he's like, "I'm really afraid. I'm, I'm afraid not I'm going to say I'm not going to be able to do it." <laughs> it's so funny. All right, fast fact number one, Steve Carell directed this episode. It was his first time directing the show and his first time directing in general. He was so prepared. Oh
1: my gosh, yes. I was so impressed with him.
0: We talked to Randy Cordray about that, and he said Steve's work ethic was incredible, that he was totally prepared, he had great ideas, great energy, He said he was so respectful of every crew position. He wanted everyone's input to make the scenes better. He said Steve totally immersed himself in the prep of this episode.
1: I loved him as a director. I have one little moment I'll share when we get there of a note he gave me Mm -hmm. that I was like, totally changed the scene for me.
0: Well, I traded some messages with Steve about this episode. I just wanted to know, Steve, what was that like for you? To direct all of us. Because he was, I believe, the first cast member to step into a directing role. Oh, I think you're right. And here's what Steve said. This is a quote. It was like being the conductor of a world-class orchestra. Everyone was so good, it was pretty easy. Aww. Well, we got a fan question from Bridget R., who said, what was it like having a main cast member direct, and did it present any challenges? Well... A little bit, because, you know, Steve couldn't watch the scene when he was performing in the scene. Right, right. And the week before you direct an episode, the director normally preps the episode. And that sort of involves meeting with each of the different department heads to make decisions about the locations, about the props, the wardrobe, camera setups, And this was a little tricky for Steve because Steve spent the prior week acting in an episode.
1: I remember he had to sort of squeeze things in. Like, he'd be in a scene, and then he would have to, like, hop into, like, a van to go location scout or... Yes. Yeah.
0: Randy said, luckily, the Michael Scott Paper Company storyline was such that Steve generally had a couple days off each week... Yeah. ...for when we would shoot up at Dunder Mifflin, and so he immersed himself in prep for those two days. But it's true. I would notice there would be this van waiting outside at lunch, and Mm -hmm. they would go scout a location for a half hour.
1: Yeah, and then he'd come back and jump into scenes.
0: Well, I also spoke with Randall Einhorn, our cinematographer, who said he remembers Steve was very focused on characters and actor performance as a director. So I guess this will come up in the note that he gave you, Mm -hmm. Angela. Yeah. But he said he was just so respectful. He was so devoid of any ego. And that's how I remember working with Steve. He just made you better naturally.
1: He's just someone that makes everything better. Yeah. You know, you know those people. You're like, gosh, I feel so great whenever I'm around them.
0: I took this leadership seminar once, and they said that a great leader is a person where like, you leave your interaction with that person, and you feel more confident and better, and you notice yourself more, that that is your goal if you're ever in a leadership position. Not for you to show off how interesting and powerful you are. Right but to try to empower other people. Well, that's definitely Steve. That's definitely Steve. Guys, yeah, I'm that person who went to leadership seminars on the weekends. I, was, okay. I wasn't going
1: to say anything. I'm that gal. I wasn't going to say anything. But Sign you, me up. As you said it, I thought, oh, I would have just loved to have known Jenna then. I saw this thing someone posted on Instagram, Jenna, it made me laugh so hard. I'm going to paraphrase it, but it said something like, everyone in life deserves the person they cannot sit next to in a serious situation. (laughs) And I just think about if I had taken that leadership class with you,
0: (laughs) we wouldn't have been able to sit next to each other. Listen, that leadership class was great because I had a really hard time finishing things. I would start projects all the time. Mm -hmm. Scripts, a one-woman show, I don't even know what, even a home project. I I was very good at having ideas and doing the first three steps, but I wasn't a finisher. And this leadership seminar was a little bit focused on finishing what you start. I tell you what, I finish what I start now. That's so good. I'm all about it. I'm like, there's got to be experts out there who can teach me skills. How was I supposed to be born knowing how to do everything? I'll go to therapy. I'll go to your leadership seminar. Sign me up. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Fast fact number two is called awards. Because our writer, Charlie Grandy, was nominated for a Writers Guild Award for Best Screenplay of an Episodic Comedy for this script. And Steve Carell used this episode as his submission for the Emmys for Outstanding Lead Actor in a Comedy Series.
1: Well, I know Steve didn't win, which, remember, I was so mad about. I think I said a profanity, and there was a camera on us.
0: Steve never won an Emmy for his portrayal of Michael Scott. How is that sentence a thing I can say? I don't know. Wait, did Charlie win? Charlie didn't win either. Well, son of a... I know. You know, it's crazy. That got me thinking about how you have to submit yourself for awards. I feel like that's something not a lot of people know. We did. Yeah, and it costs money. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the network will pay for it. Right. But I think as an actor, you pick one or two episodes that you think best represent your performance. You also pick your category. You can decide if you want to be submitted for lead or supporting.
1: I know. I was very excited because season four of The Office, there was an article that said I was a dark horse for a nomination for supporting actress in a comedy because I had that whole great, you know, arc with sprinkles and all of that. Yes. And I was so excited. That was enough for me. (laughs) I mean, I realized that like some people were able to have sort of a big machine behind them campaigning, but just the fact that this one person saw my performance, I cut out the magazine, I saved it.
0: I totally get that, Ange. I was only nominated the one year for season two. Yeah. And Occasionally, though, my name would come up on those lists. Yes, it's so exciting. Yeah. What's your fast fact number three? Fast fact number three is called Time to Make the Donuts. Do I get a donut? Did you make donuts? No, I wish I had, though. I know you love a donut. I do. I should have known I can't say donut and not provide you with a donut. You literally said it's time to make the donuts. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) This is not a Scotch and Splenda. I know. You got me thinking it's a Scotch and Splenda moment. No, this is a little mini deep dive that I found incredibly charming based on the fact that Michael says it's time to make the donuts. Oh, the
1: expression.
0: Yes. Do you remember that commercial? It was from the 80s. It actually ran from 1981 all the way to 1997, and it was for Dunkin' Donuts.
1: Do you remember it? Well, I was overseas until 84. Okay. This, by the way, is a thing my husband loves to tease me about. He said, Ange, you can't say you were in Indonesia for everything. Okay.
0: (laughs) But there's some pop culture that's lost on you. Yes. Okay. Well, I I grew
1: grew up without television. Is that crazy? Until I was a teenager. Wow. I know. And then you wound up on television. And then I was obsessed with television.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I bet.
1: It's like the kid that like their parents don't let them have any sweets and then they come to your house and they raid your pantry. Yeah. I became like obsessed with television.
0: Well, let me bring you up to speed. Okay. Fred the Baker was a character played by actor Michael Vale in these Dunkin' Donut commercials. Okay. And he was known for his catchphrase, time to make the donuts. So it would just be him, like, all day coming in and out of his door saying, time to make the donuts. I actually have an audio clip of it. Oh, I need to hear it. Time to make the donuts. Dunkin' Donuts are always fresh. I made the donuts. We make them at least twice every day. Time to make the donuts. Not a few kinds like supermarket hey, donuts. Time to make the
1: donuts. But up to 52 varieties. The donuts. <laughs> Time to make the donuts. I made the donuts. Dunkin' Donuts,
0: up to 52 varieties, fresh day and night. No supermarket can say that. So Fred the Baker had to make all those donuts, lady. I
1: have so many questions because I could only hear it and not see it. It sounds like he's getting really tired.
0: He's tired. He's Uh, making donuts in the rain. Time to make the donuts. Because he's always making the donuts. Yeah. Well, this commercial was named one of the five best commercials of the 80s by the Television Bureau of Advertising. Fred the Baker was so popular that when Dunkin' Donuts decided to finally retire this character, they surveyed customers to see how they might react. Well, customers said they would let Fred retire, but only if like Fred the character was treated like an honored friend and employee. So Dunkin' Donuts created an official retirement celebration for him, which included a parade in Boston and a free donut day. They served over 6 million customers, It was September 22nd, 1997. Wow. But listen to this. After the actor who played Fred the Baker after Michael Vail died in December of 2005, Dunkin' Donuts ran a commercial celebrating him that included like an In Memory Of. And today, the catchphrase, Time to Make the Donuts, is printed on the side of all Dunkin' Donut boxes in memory of Michael Vail and his character of Fred the Baker. Aww. So if you get a box of Dunkin' Donuts and you see that on the side, that's why. That's so sweet.
1: You know, I I think Dunkin' Donuts was more of an East Coast chain for a long time. Mm -hmm. Because I I know whenever I flew to New York, I got very excited because there was a Dunkin' Donuts by baggage claim. And I would always go get a donut while I waited for my suitcase.
0: Yeah, we had Dunkin' Donuts in St. Louis growing up. And my dad would go every Sunday, and I always wanted the strawberry ice. <gasps> I love that one. That was my favorite. I love that one, too. Mm-hmm. Now, during the office, there was no Dunkin' Donuts on the West Coast, and John Krasinski had this idea that he wanted to open up the first Dunkin' Donuts in L.A., Did he really? Yes. He he was really into this for a while. And he tried to get Conan O'Brien to go in on it with him. Oh, my God. This was a whole thing. Could you imagine if Conan and John owned a Dunkin' Donuts? That was the plan. And I don't know why it fell apart or if this was just like a daydream. But he talked about it all the time. He wanted to open a Dunkin' Donuts franchise in L.A. And you know what? Now they're here. And whenever I pass by them, I wonder, is John, like, super pissed? Because he had that idea. That was John Krasinski's idea. To bring it to the West Coast. Yes. Well, that's all I got for Fast Facts, lady.
1: Well, I found them delightful, and now I want a donut. Sorry. I really should have brought some Dunkin' Donuts in. Clearly.
0: What was I thinking?
1: I think we should go to break, and we'll come back and get
0: into this episode. I love it. that we use Squarespace for our office ladies website. And it is so user-friendly, so easy to use. We are not tech people and we could not be happier with our experience. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com slash office ladies to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. You
1: know, we all carry around different stressors some are big, some are small. I know I keep mine kind of bottled up, and it can start to affect us.
0: Well, therapy is a safe place to get things off your chest and figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. If
1: you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your
0: schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. You can finally get a chance to talk about all those stressors. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com OfficeLadies today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp,
1: H-E-L-P dot slash OfficeLadies.
0: All right, we're back. This episode opens with Pam, Michael, and Ryan making paper deliveries. Yeah. And incidentally, I found out the working title for this episode was Delivery Day.
1: Yes. Thank you, Randy, with those nuggets. Well, you know what? Michael starts the day at 4.30 in the morning with a prank. Mm -hmm. He pulls up to get Ryan. And then as Ryan gets in, he pulls up forward and he pulls forward. And Ryan's just like, ugh, Jenna, that would drive me crazy. Yeah. I don't need people that peppy that early. No. It's too peppy.
0: We got a fan question from Tyler B., who said this. My friend and I have watched the opening scene with Michael inching the delivery van forward while Ryan tries to get in over and over. At 46 seconds, we cannot figure out if Michael says, I lied or denied to Ryan. It's denied. He says, the captions say denied, but I'm not convinced because it almost sounds like delied.
1: Do you know? (laughs) Well, we had the script. What did it say? It was not a scripted moment. Oh, of course not. Of course they were playing around a little bit.
0: I hear I lied, but I hear Steve's. Steve has this funny delivery he does sometimes where he like laughs at the beginning of a line. And he'll hold out a vowel. So I hear, duh, I lied, meaning like the duh is like part of his laugh.
1: Well, gosh, I just think I need to hear it. I need to hear it. And then I'm going to decide what I hear. And I think we should put a poll in our Office Ladies Pod
0: stories. I agree. (laughs) I lied. (laughs) It's I lied. He's like, I lied.
1: I got to hear it again. (laughs) I got to hear it again. I lied. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's definitely I lied because he's saying, I won't do it again. Yes. And he's laughing. It's I lied. It's not denied. The subtitles are wrong.
0: Completely. It's definitely not denied, but it is like, I lied. Yeah, yeah. It's a little laugh. It's a little it's bit a of a catch it, at the top. It's a little bit of a lied. Tyler, I hope that that has helped you guys. <laughs> we took that on and <laughs> we, we took it very seriously. We did. We did.
1: Well then Michael's gotta go get Pam. He pulls outside and lays on the horn. <laughs> did you ever have a friend like that? I carpooled with a friend in high school who would lay on the horn and my dad was like, All right, you gotta tell her. Yes. <laughs> None of that. It's
0: early. Yes. That was our carpool. You would go in the person's driveway and you wanna just give it like a, a bup up. Yeah. Not a bang bang. Exactly. We got a lot of fan mail about these pickup scenes. One person said, when Michael beeps the horn of the van, you can see the top right corner of the neighbor's light turning on. (laughs) They really like that detail. People also wanted to know, were these scenes really recorded at 4.30 and 5 in the morning? No, we shot these at night. What we would do is we would shoot all day at the studio, and then we would pack up and drive out to these locations to do, like, the early morning shots. So it was actually just evening, I checked in with Randy to refresh my memory. He said we had to do this over two days because we never wanted to shoot too late into the evening because oh. then we'd have to start later the next morning. And then you it, have to give the crew and the cast their turnaround.
1: And then you guys, that becomes a domino effect. Then every day starts later and later. And then you get into one of those what we call a Friday Day situation. Fratter Day. Friter day.
0: Frat. Frida? Frat. Frat like sat uh-huh. day but fr from friday so fraterday well i've always called it friday day cuz you
1: go frid and then you go into saturday
0: you i believe potato, would be potato. the only one who's saying friderday
1: everyone else is saying mm mm-hmm. mhm in the biz well guys is it any surprise that i've been <laughs> saying it wrong
0: i guess I I could stand corrected, but I feel pretty confident. (laughs) I will be texting
1: a few of our friends when we wrap. All right. Why don't you tell us more about how you shot these scenes? You obviously did one day was the Ryan pickup and then the next day was like the Pam pickup?
0: No. What? One day was at Michael's condo. Okay. You know, at the opening At the beginning, right? The other night... We did both Ryan's house and Jim and Pam's house because the location for Ryan's house was just a few houses down the block from Jim and Pam's house on Calvert Street in Van Nuys. Oh. And the people who live next to the house that we use for Jim and Pam's house let us put a PA up in their bedroom. To flip on the to light flip switch. on the light. They were very good sports, Randy said. And that's not all, Angela. I also got a ton of fan questions about the van. Because Pam has that talking head where she says they got it at a used car lot, and they think that it says, Alleluia, Church of Scranton in Korean on the side of the van. People wanted to know, what did it really say? It said, Alleluia, Church of Scranton in Korean. Our graphics artist, Michael Marcus, designed the logo, and they had it made into a large like stick-on decal that they put on the side of the van. So it really did say that. I love that because
1: I love our show's attention to detail. I have a question for you, Jenna.
0: Yes. In the
1: next beat of this cold open, you're like, gosh, I could really use some coffee. And Michael's like, milk and sugar? And you're like, yes, thank you. And you take a big old swig, and it's actually milk and sugar. And Michael says he drinks it every morning. Yeah. What'd you really drink? It was just water. Please say it was just water. It
0: was water. Oh, thank goodness. But I really sold it. You did. When I was re-watching this episode, I watched that moment and I was like, that's good acting. I did it a is good job. acting. because I, I should thought, put that on my Emmy <laughs> you submission. Sh- you
1: should. Because when I watched it, I thought, I wonder if Jenna was like, you can put milk and sugar so I react honestly or something. If you got kind of method. But you did what I did about running. Yeah. I was
0: like, you just, just faked it. I'll just fake it. Fake it. I'm an actor. I can do it. You can do it. And I did. And you sold it. So now Pam and Ryan are going to be unloading the paper, and I want to say a few things. Did you notice that I'm wearing a pencil skirt? I did. Did you see what the boys are wearing? I did. Pam is wearing a hoodie and sneakers, but a pencil skirt. And I think with
1: pantyhose at 4.30 in the morning. Yes. To unload paper out of a van. Yes. Pam, hmm. our NBC executives...
0: Correct. (laughs) I guess that note about Pam being in a pencil skirt, wow, that really carries. Oh, I want to tell you also in this scene, a woman tries to get on the van. Yes. And the woman who gets on the bus was played by Clara Soyoung. And the person who played the warehouse supervisor, Mm -hmm. who's with Michael, was played by Isabel Hubman. And I remember both of them were super awesome. Because we actually shot this really early in the morning. This one you did do early. We did. We got there. Oh my gosh, we were shooting by 6:45. Wow. And so I remember like we were all legitimately tired, <laughs> but we also got finished really quickly. so it was fun.
1: Well, you know, Jenna, this was not the original cold open for the episode. Really? Truly. Tell me more. I will. Here was the original cold open. This is how the cold open was in the shooting draft. It is the Dunder Mifflin office, parking lot, early morning. We hear a screech in the parking lot. The camera pushes in to find Michael with wet hair frantically parking and sort of running in. And he says, I'm late, I'm late, I'm late. Barges into the Dunder Mifflin bullpen, goes right into his office. And he's like, sorry, 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 everyone. I'm overslept, totally unexcusable. And... He goes in his office and shuts the door. Aaron and the rest of the office are very confused. Jim looks to camera and he says, this is a surprise. Michael's almost never late and he hasn't worked here in four weeks. (laughs) And then there's this brief scene between Jim and Michael where Jim says, hey, uh, what are you doing here? And Michael's like, oh, I owe everyone a huge apology. Did anyone notice I was late? And Jim says, I think they're just surprised you came at all. And then this plays out with Charles coming in and Aaron going, that's him. Like he's some intruder. Right. And then Michael realizes he's really embarrassed and he leaves. And Aaron's like, was I supposed to stop him? He seems so confident. <laughs> and then there's this last little moment where Michael goes downstairs to the Michael Scott Paper Company and he's like, I- I'm sorry, I'm late. But only Pam is there. But Ryan is late.
0: It's so funny. Randy told us that there were a ton of deleted scenes from this episode, and I bet what they did was they cut this cold open, and they made what would have been the top of this episode a cold open. Yes. Because this is not a standalone cold open. This relates to the rest of the episode. It's, you know, deliveries and Michael Scott Paper Company And so that's really interesting. They must have had to do that for time to squeeze more stuff in.
1: There was a lot in the shooting draft that did not make it in.
0: Wow. So as this episode opens, Charles Minor is going to walk into the Dunder Mifflin bullpen and announce that they have now lost 10 clients to Michael Scott Paper Company.
1: Yeah, that's a huge dent in their business. It
0: really is. Charles is going to have a talking head where he says he does not know what to do to inspire people. And the camera's going to pull back. You're going to see Dwight hovering over his shoulder. I just want to point out that Dwight is still wearing his long-sleeve white shirts with the sleeves that are too short because you can see his full watch. It is exposed on his wrist. (laughs) His sleeves are too short. It's official. We
1: agree with you, Jenna. We agree. His sleeves are too short.
0: Okay, thank you. But before this talking head ends, Angela is going to enter the room to talk about these expense reports.
1: Yes. And all right, this is the scene I was talking about earlier where Steve gave me a note that changed how I delivered this line. And it was so fun for me to rewatch and remember. Angela comes in and she goes, Charles, I got your memo about the expense reports. Thank you. And... (laughs) Steve was like, what if, almost in Angela's mind, this was like a personal memo to her? Like he (laughs) sees her, right? Yeah, He understands how much these expense reports have meant to her over the years and how Michael just never cared about them. So he was like- Great note. Great note. He was like, Angela, what if this is like personal? So that's why I walked in. I was like, Charles, I got your memo about the expense reports. Thank you. (laughs) And I sort of touched my chest. Yeah. Thank you for seeing me. This starts an amazing runner, Jenna, about the expense reports. The whole entire thing got deleted for time, and I'm gonna share about it. Before I play the first one, I want you to know when Angela leaves the room and Dwight says to Charles, been there, done that. That was not in the script. Oh, Rain improvised (laughs) that? Rain improvised that. And then immediately after the scene would have started this expense reports runner. Angela is delighted to be policing people here is clip number one. Stanley?
0: Andrew?
1: Rejected?
0: You never had a problem with me expensive cigars before.
1: Yes, I did. I just didn't have the power to enforce it. Phyllis, this client you take out to Alfredo's every Saturday night? Wouldn't happen to be a refrigeration company, would it? Michael never cared. He said
0: it was a perk of the job.
1: Mm, I'm sorry. I get no joy from this. Hey. All right, so on that wow. line, on that line, I get no joy from this. I turn around and I walk away beaming with the biggest smile. <laughs> and so I took a screen grab of it. It's hilarious. I'm going to put it in stories. And then right after this, there would have been back-to-back Phyllis and Angela talking heads. And this is what Angela said in her talking head. She holds up a rejected stamp and says, I bought it for myself for my birthday. I've been waiting for a chance to use it it came with an approved stamp, which I can't seem to find.
0: Amazing. (laughs) And then
1: Phyllis would have had a talking head immediately after that said, that little bitch, get with the program. A free dinner here, a bottle of wine there. Everybody's happy. You take away my perks. See you later, alligator.
0: Ooh, Phyllis sass. What is that? What's see you later, alligator? I'm not sure. I don't... I don't know if you want to find out.
1: I know. So there was all this hullabaloo with Angela rejecting everyone's expense reports, and it keeps playing out. I'll share more later.
0: Well, next up, we're going to go down to the Michael Scott Paper Company, where everyone is so tired. Well, they've been getting up at 4.30 in the morning every day. Ryan thinks they should get a delivery guy. Michael thinks they should just maybe build a loft for Pam in particular. Yeah, just bunk up there, Pam. Michael's like... Yeah, dorm rooms have lofts. And Ryan's like, no, they don't, Michael. But did you have a loft in your dorm? Because I did. No, I had two
1: twin beds in my dorm room.
0: My dad built me a loft. And I put my bed up high and I put my desk underneath it, just like Michael said. Well, I had friends
1: that had that in their bedrooms growing up. But in my college, you had a roommate. Did you not have a roommate?
0: I did have a roommate. and
1: the Your whole- dad built a loft on your side of the room. I had a one-room dorm room. With Us two twin too. beds and a little sink in the corner.
0: Yeah, so we had like a Jack and Jill bathroom situation. So. Oh, I had to go down
1: the hall. I had a little shower caddy. Oh. And I had to walk to a like community shower. I mean, it was a girl's dorm, but you know.
0: I'm not going to lie. I kind of picked my college because of the, because of the dorm room situation, <laughs> like slightly. I loved my school. I went to Truman State in rural Missouri. It was amazing. I loved it there. But the dorms at the time, this was a little rare. You had like two bedrooms separated by a bathroom. So it would be four girls sharing one bathroom. But guess what? What? The dorm room on the other side of our bathroom had an issue. It was like really smelly. Like maybe it smelled like... Maybe an animal died in the wall. Ooh, gross. It was so gross. So they didn't put anyone in there. So we were just two girls with one bathroom. So it was only two of us, you know, me and my roommate shared. And at first, my roommate and I were like, what if we open the window and air it out? We could just make that like a living room. We were all excited. Okay, we tried. We could not get rid of that smell. Did you report it? Yeah. And they could never get rid of the smell. It just stayed empty. Luckily, if you kept the bathroom door shut to that room, it didn't come our way. Yeah. I don't know what happened in there, but well, I'm... as a result, we got a pretty private bathroom.
1: That's amazing. Yeah. I went to Baylor University. I loved my dorm room. Collins. My Collins girls out there. But I shared one room. We had the shower down the hall. And my roommate's name was also Angela. Oh. So everyone in college called me Kinsey. Uh Uh-huh. And I still to this day know anyone who knew me in college because all my messages like on voicemail, like my husband can always tell because they're like, Kinsey, what's up? No one knew my name was Angela. I think a lot of people just thought my name was Kinsey.
0: My roommate, I loved her. Her name was TJ. And... She came from such a small town in Iowa that you could just write her name, and then the city and state and zip code, you did not have to write her house number or her street. That's my hometown, And Jenna. she would get mail. I found that so cool that I would write her letters on break. And then we'd come back and be like, did you get it? She'd be like, oh, yeah. And I went home with her once to, like, you know, visit. And it was amazing. Like, she was the coolest.
1: That was my hometown. I mean, we didn't have to dial a full phone number, just four digits, and you could get anyone in town. Wow. I know.
0: Crazy times. But I guess to wrap that up, I'll just say I had a loft. You had a loft. So Michael had a point. He did. I want to point out in this scene at 3 minutes, 55 seconds... You can see the latest fish in the fish bowl. It's an all-black gold fish. This is going to be the last fish of Michael Scott Paper Company. Yeah, why didn't Michael bring the fish to his office? I don't know. That's a really good point, Angela. What happened to yeah. it? Yeah. Well, Randy told us in real life, this fish went to his assistant, Jackie, and it lived on her desk for two years. He said the fish kept getting bigger and bigger, and they had to get bigger fish bowls to accommodate it. But she took very, very good care of it.
1: Well, I have appreciated your documentation of the fish every week. I feel like it was your plant.
0: It was my plant at reception. (laughs) It was. Well, it's over. That's your last fish (laughs) breakdown. Okay.
1: Back upstairs in Dunder Mifflin, special guest coming in, David Wallace, Mm -hmm. to check in on things because they keep losing clients And Charles seems very enamored with David Wallace. Wants to impress him.
0: Yeah, we had a fan catch in this, which delighted me. Okay. Many people wrote in to say, does Idris Elba break character at 5 minutes, 25 seconds when Kevin says hi to David Wallace? I totally saw that too. And he does. He does. He does. Totally. I wondered if that was like an addition because everyone, you know, David is trying to get things going, but people keep interrupting just to say hi. Yeah. And Kevin has this late-breaking hello. Very funny. Idris totally broke character. A
1: hundred percent.
0: If you want to see just a glimmer of the charming man that Idris Elba is, you can see it at five minutes, 24 seconds, because he gets a little smiley twinkle in his eye.
1: After Charles greets David Wallace, Jim just watches this whole thing play out. And then there is a cutaway to him in the break room, and he's just doing kissy noises. Mm -hmm. Right? Well, that was not in the script. That must have happened Mm -hmm. on the day. In the script, it's a talking head. And this was Jim's scripted line. So, OMG, turns out Charles Minor is a huge kiss ass. Mmm. But I kind of liked that it was just the kissing noise. I did too. Right? He just was like... We know what's happening here.
0: Well, David is telling everyone that although Michael Scott Paper Company has stolen some clients, he believes it's just a temporary setback. But this brings on some real Phyllis sass. Yeah. She's like, perhaps if you had returned Michael's phone calls, this would have never happened.
1: What you need to know about Phyllis is that she's already pissed off because of the expense reports. Mm-hmm. So she is not mincing her words.
0: And then David is going to invite Jim to join him and Charles in the conference room. And Charles is like, hold up. Dwight's been my
1: guy. Jim not living up to his potential. And David's like, I'm surprised by that. Oh, my gosh. It's so amazing. So And good. it plays out
0: so well. Because David says, let's invite them both. Hmm. Hmm.
1: I think we should take a break because when we come back, I mean, there's some serious accounting issues over at Michael Scott Paper <laughs> Company.
0: <laughs> oh, my gosh. It made me laugh out loud. All right. We will take a break. We'll be back. Today's episode of Office Ladies is brought to you by Captain Crunch who said that kids get to have all the breakfast time fun, right? Break away from the ordinary with Cap'n Crunch and bring back the spirit of adventure to your mornings. You know, life can be stressful, but a tasty bowl of Cap'n Crunch is an escape from the morning monotony. Enjoy bold flavors like original Cap'n Crunch, Crunch Berries, of course, right? oops, all berries, and peanut butter. Plus, the crunch you love is now available in cinnamon. Even in a sea of milk, the crunch of Cap'n Crunch is epic. Join the crew for your next breakfast time crunch venture by Cap'n Crunch's new Cinnamon Crunch, now at a retailer near you. And learn more at Cap'nCrunch.com. When it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a
1: candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed to connect with candidates faster by scheduling, screening, and messaging. And Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 23 hires were made on Indeed every minute, according to Indeed data worldwide. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com/officeladies. Just go to indeed.com/officeladies right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash office ladies. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, we are back, and the Michael Scott Paper Company has decided to go speak to an accountant to see if they can hire a delivery
0: guy. But they can't. Not only can they not afford a delivery guy, they are bleeding money. Their prices are putting them out of business. It's not looking good for Michael got Paper Company.
1: It's not. It's also not looking great for Ryan because he had calculated all this.
0: Yes, but he used a fixed cost formula, and he should have used a variable cost formula. Mm-hmm. He mm-hmm. seems a little confused yeah. by those terms. Yeah, I looked it up. I wrote up a whole thing about it, and I still don't understand it. So, oh my gosh! It. I mean, I think if I think really, really hard, I can get there. Okay. Are we going to have to think hard right now? I don't know. I mean, I can just skip it. Do we want to think hard or no? Well, let's give it a try. All right. All right, everybody. Ready? Variable and fixed costs are the two main types of costs that a company incurs. Okay. Variable costs are volume-related. Okay. They vary with the amount of products you're making. Okay. While fixed costs are time-related they stay consistent. It doesn't matter how much stuff you make. Just to keep the lights on, these are your fixed costs. So for example, your rent on your office space, that isn't going to change month to month. If you make five widgets or 500 widgets, your rent is the same. Right. But what if you have an
1: employee that gets injured and now you have to file workman's comp? And you're paying all this
0: extra stuff. Well, that would go under your variable costs. I'm with you. Oh my gosh, our brains are working. (laughs) We're doing it. So the more fixed costs you have, the more revenue your company needs in order to break even. So So that makes sense. The more overhead you have, the more you
1: have to make. I mean, Ryan went to business school. He was the vice president of the
0: Northeast region or whatever. I know. Now- if you produce 500 widgets, okay, that's going to really offset your fixed cost, right? Okay. But if you produce your 500 widgets for not enough money, you're never going to cover your fixed costs. Got it. And then your variable costs are going to put you out of business as well. I don't know. I think we got it. Kind of. The point is they cannot afford... <laughs>
1: The point is, Ryan's accounting was horrible, and they are going out of business because their prices are too low.
0: Yes. And all of this information was delivered by a delightful guest star playing the accountant Ty Platt, and that person is Kurt Scholler. He is a seasoned improvisational performer. He's done a ton of television Angela, I believe you knew him from your improv days.
1: I did. Kurt and I were both at iOS. He is so smart and quick and funny. Really talented guy. Again, we were so lucky to get such great guest stars on our show.
0: Well, you know, on his computer, when Michael is like, crunch those numbers again. Yeah. And he hits Just a one button. And nothing changes. Well, nothing could ever change because that was a fakey spreadsheet. Mm-hmm on the computer. It was made by our graphics designer, Michael Marcus. You know, I said earlier that Michael also made the decal for the side of the van. Yeah. And it just got me thinking, if you are a graphics designer, you can work for a TV show. TV shows have a graphics designer on their team. Yeah. That's so cool. I know. He would make logos and all kinds of things for us when we needed fakie signs and props and things.
1: We needed things like that. Almost weekly.
0: Yes. So he would work with Phil Shea to design these things and with Michael Gallenberg, our production designer.
1: I have to share with you guys after this scene, Ryan was going to have a complete meltdown. It's in the deleted scenes. It is so crazy. But it's like Ryan is faced with the fact that A, this new business that he was, I guess, optimistic about is going out of business, but also the fact that he crunched the numbers, and he was wrong. And he is actually not very good at being a businessman. And he loses it, Jenna. It's in the deleted scenes on the DVD. He throws those cheese balls. He opens it up, and he just starts throwing them everywhere. I am talking everywhere. He dumps the entire container and is yelling, and Michael is just watching it all happen. Is Pam there? Pam leaves. And oh. he starts throwing things. She I leaves. don't remember this. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yes. I totally get why this one didn't make it in, because it was kind of over the top. Like, Ryan trashes their office. Well, what actually made it in the episode is that they just return. They're very just down in the dumps. And Michael starts calling clients and saying, you know what, actually, (laughs) we need you to give us more money.
0: Could you imagine? No. Could you imagine if you bought something from a company and then they called you later in the day and said, will you pay me more for that? (laughs) Because I'm actually going out of business. Yeah. That is such a weird phone call. I know. And Pam has that great talking head. She does. She says, when a child gets behind the wheel of a car and crashes into a tree... You don't blame the kid. You blame the 30-year-old woman in the passenger seat who trusted the kid and said, "Go ahead, drive, kid." Yeah, you or something got something like that. I'm paraphrasing. Yeah, it's she's like, "You got great. this. You got this, kid." Yeah. Lady, should we go back up to the conference room for a scene that I couldn't get enough of?
1: I enjoyed the scene so much. You guys know that Jen and I watch these episodes 2 to 4 times before we record. This was a highlight every single time. Mhm. One of my absolute favorite moments in the entire episode is when Dwight suggests, you know, getting all of his bees and putting the bees in the office. Watch Idris as Charles turn and just look at Dwight as he's giving his bee speech. Everything going across Idris's face of like, holy
0: crap. Yes. Who have I attached myself to in front of David Wallace? I also love... The attention to detail in this scene visually, I don't know if you noticed, but Jim and David Wallace are both wearing blue shirts with kind of blue ties, and on the other side of the table, Dwight and Charles both have on kind of like a white or a light yellow, canary Uh yellow. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. So cool. It's almost like teams. They have on their team colors. Yes. Also... I noticed in this scene at eight minutes fifty six seconds a Fiji water bottle. I saw that too, and once I thought, again with the label turned away from camera. I was like, "What is? This? What is that?" Because it showed up back in Wallace's office. He had a water bottle. Remember, my son did the whole water bottle break. Yeah, yeah, fancy water bottle for I'm David ask Wallace. Randy about it. Yeah, what? Why the Fiji water showing up in scenes all the time?
1: Were they giving us money?
0: No, the label is not facing camera. I know,
1: but everybody knows it's Fiji because they're the square bottle.
0: I'm going to get to the bottom
1: of it. Get to the bottom of it. We haven't seen a lot of Jim and Pam together in this episode.
0: Or in any of these episodes.
1: I know. Yeah. Well, they're working at rival paper companies. I guess so. They do have this great scene in the hallway where Pam tells Jim that they have about a month before they're going to go out of business. And he tells her not to worry, but then his
0: phone starts ringing. Yes, I have an audio clip of it. Idiot, idiot, idiot. (laughs) That's Jim's ringtone. Yes. Now, to create the ringtone, they recorded Rain saying idiot. Right. And then our post-production supervisor, Jake Ost, put it on a loop And then our sound engineer actually put a speaker on the set next to us. It was not actually coming from the phone. In post-production, they put a filter on the sound to make it sound like it was coming from the phone. But that was like a whole fakey ringtone thing we had to set up. So nowadays, obviously, you can get customized ringtones for your phones. And you can actually get this ringtone. (gasps) over on officetally.com. No way. Yeah.
1: I love that. Well, when I watched this moment, I started laughing so hard because I remembered years later into the show, Kenneth Paul, who did my makeup, who also did Rain Wilson's makeup, had Rain do like a voice memo and he made that his ringtone. So Kenneth Paul's ringtone was Rain Wilson doing this. Ring! 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 It was so annoying. And whenever KP's (laughs) phone would ring, I'd be like,
0: oh, my God, Kenneth Paul. Have you ever had a personalized ringtone? I haven't. Me either.
1: Maybe we should.
0: Should we make it the office ladies theme as our ringtone, or is that too narcissistic? Maybe.
1: I was going to just have Keanu Reeves maybe be (gasps) my ringtone. Like, you know what? What if what I'm if, fainting with excitement over this idea? What, what if my ringtone is just "Surfs Up," bruh? What <laughs> if that? Or, or my ringtone could be "I Know Kung Fu."
0: All I know for certain mm-hmm. is that when we're finished recording today, I will be looking up Keanu ringtones. Yes, this I know for sure. Okay, where are we? We are back down in Michael Scott Paper Company, and Michael is on the floor. They're so mopey. They're so mopey. Michael says he always thought that the day Steve Martin died would be the worst day of his life, but he was wrong because it's this. Pam's like, you know Steve Martin's not dead. And he's like, I know. I have to say something. Yeah. Have you watched Steve Martin's new show on Hulu, Only Murders in the Building? I haven't. And so many people are telling
1: me to watch it. I know you love it.
0: Okay. Absolutely loved it. Amy Ryan is on it. She even talked about it on our podcast. Yes. She's so good. You know, the premise of the show is that this guy in their building named Tim Kono has been murdered. And these three residents come together to try to solve the crime while doing a podcast about it. In episode two of Only Murders in the Building, this show that Steve Martin is in that he created, I want you to hear what they say. Okay.
1: What if Tim was a dick?
0: That's a definite angle. I mean, I wouldn't want him to be dickier than Steve Carell in The Office. I'd, I'd still care if Steve Carell in The Office got murdered. Or would I? Thinking, thinking, visualizing. This is We need to find someone who knew him. How about that for Full Circle? Yeah. Pretty amazing.
1: So Steve Carell references Steve Martin, and then on Steve Martin's show, they reference Steve Carell. Yes. I'm okay. I think there's we need to discuss there's some big revelations that happen in this scene.
0: I was going to say, Pam says that she's applied for a job at Target, Old Navy, and Walmart, and none of them even called her in for an interview.
1: Ryan confesses that he didn't even go to Thailand. No,
0: just Fort Lauderdale.
1: That is so perfect. I thought that was so brilliant. Of course, Ryan lied about going to Thailand. Mm
0: -hmm. Of course. And this is when Michael pretends that he loves pad thai because Ryan said there was a great pad thai place in Fort Lauderdale, but then Ryan's like, you've never had pad thai.
1: Michael's like, I haven't done a lot of things.
0: This was a fan catch by Ella W. and Abby W. What'd you catch? The W's. What'd you catch? They said in diversity day, Michael wishes aloud that he had some pad thai because (gasps) he loves pad thai. Oh my gosh hmm Great catch. So they wondered, has Michael been telling people that he loves pad thai for years and he's still never tried it? That's also- it's possible. It's
1: also believable that he thinks that maybe it makes him seem well-traveled or something. Yeah. Right? Jenna, after the scene, the expense report deleted runner would have continued. Andy is determined to get an extension on his expense reports and goes to talk to Angela.
0: These expenses are legitimate.
1: Which I denied.
0: Right. Would you please, respectfully, reconsider these?
1: Why would I do that?
0: Because of our history. Both romantic and the race sexual.
1: Twice? I'd Resubmit with proof of business. Names of who you were with, what you talked about, phone numbers I can call to verify. You get a two-hour extension based on our history. Right o. Then we're even. Yeah. (gasps) Wow. I know. Hmm. Scandalous. Scandalous Hmm. exchange. So yes, Angela's gonna give Andy a two-hour extension.
0: What is he gonna do with that? You'll see. (laughs) Okay. Oh, I'm so glad. I have the clip. I'm glad that pays off. Oh, I'm very sad this runner was deleted. I know, it was really fun. Now we're going to find out that Dunder Mifflin is going to offer Michael Scott Paper Company a buyout. Yes. So Jim is going to go into Michael Scott Paper Company and give them this news. And Michael is like, what? Why would they want to do that? We're totally like and Jim's like, I, yeah, and yeah, yeah. Like, like, don't. Once I hear it, I can't unhear it. So don't say it. And so Michael gets it. Steve has another one of those amazing moments where he comes to a realization very slowly. The three of them are going to go upstairs now to meet. And Ryan and Pam are like, Michael, you cannot say that we are broke. You cannot do it. Are we clear? We are not
1: going to mention that we are broke. And he's like, "I got it, I got it." They get in the elevator. The doors <laughs> open on the next floor, and he's like, "I don't got it. I'm not. I can't do it."
0: I loved it so much; it made me laugh out loud. That's a whole fakey elevator, as yeah. everyone knows. We got in the elevator. The guy with the pulleys pulled the rope, pull, pulled the rope, the shut the doors, and then we relocated to a completely different building to the Dunder Mifflin elevator. And we got out, and it is seamless. It looks so good. Ugh, that was funny. And then we walk in, and Michael has his line that I have seen quoted so many times where he says, well, 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 how the turntables. (laughs) Okay, I had to know how that was
1: scripted. So I went to the shooting draft, and that line is not in the script. Oh my
0: gosh, we got a fan question about that.
1: Yeah, I I don't know if it was pitched on the fly. You know how sometimes writers would have some pitches or if Steve improvised it. I don't know. But in the script, this is what it said. Well, well, well. Oh, how the meteors fallen. Hmm. And I love the turntables so much better. (laughs) Turntables is so funny. I know. Because Michael gets all of his phrases slightly off, and Michael, you know what? I can relate to that. <laughs> and you still sell Friday, Day. Friday Day. Well, for years. I've been saying Friday, Day. I've been saying lots of things.
0: <laughs> I love that when they get into the conference room, Michael immediately mm-hmm. rejects their first offer, and he says, "Just give me your second offer." Yeah, and their second offer is a buyout of twelve thousand dollars.
1: Kelly and Angela are trying to eavesdrop. And Kelly has her ear to the door with like a coffee mug. Mindy and I kept laughing. That was so funny. It was so ridiculous. We're so invested in what Charles is doing. We have to be eavesdropping. And you know, I remember Mindy tried a few different things. In the script, I asked Kelly, what do you hear? And she actually responds and says, the ocean. Oh, But in the episode, we have this wah, 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 wah.
0: She was so good at it. She was doing Charlie Brown's teacher, right? It was so funny. We were tickled. Well, Michael is going to reject this offer of $12,000. And this is when he is a brilliant negotiator. I
1: could not believe it. Do
0: you see the look on Pam's face? I do. Pam is all of us in this moment. (laughs) Exactly. So he gets David to give them an offer of $60,000.
1: Yes. He's like, listen, here's how I see it. You're up for approval by the board. Mm-hmm. And they're probably not going to be too happy that you are losing customers to Michael Scott Paper Company. Mm-hmm. So you actually need me.
0: Yes. So they say, we'll give you a moment to discuss it. And now we're going to have a scene out at Dwight and Jim's desks. But did you notice behind them? No one is in the conference room, and the door is open. It's a total continuity catch. Ryan, Michael, and Pam should have been in the background there, and they're not. Oh, good catch. Yeah. But Dwight gets this phone call from a client saying that Michael Scott Paper Company called them and asked them for more money, and they'd like to come back to Dunder Mifflin, and Dwight's going to run into the kitchen and tattle. He's going to tell Charles, Michael Scott Paper Company is going broke.
1: And normally, Charles would take that information from Dwight and go right into action. But Dwight's been acting so strange to Charles all day. And then Jim capitalizes on that.
0: Yeah, he kind of baits Dwight into bringing out his full weirdo <laughs> by sort of heckling him about his ability to solve cases. And Charles
1: is like, you're both morons. Don't go anywhere near the conference room.
0: Here's what I need to bring up about this scene on a practical level. Did you notice where Charles is standing in this scene? By the counter? Yes, but very close to the fridge. Yeah. And through the entire scene, he's got his Sadekoy steel coffee mug. Yeah. And he's got a full coffee pot. Each hand is holding one of these items. Why did he walk so far away from the coffee maker to put his coffee in his mug? Because the coffee maker is over by the door that leads to the office. So this man is saddled with these two coffee items, and I'm just like, why did he drift? In my mind as an actor, I'm having to make up a reason why this happened. So I'm imagining he got the coffee pot, and he's starting to pour, and he notices something on the fridge. He wants to get a closer look. And then Dwight comes in, and he's now stuck with his two coffees I don't know. It was an odd staging for me, and I became distracted. (laughs) I I love
1: that, like, this moment pulled you out for a minute. Like, as an actor process, you're like, that makes no
0: sense. I'm like, I need a reason. I need a motivation.
1: Back in the conference room, Michael says no to this very lucrative offer.
0: Yeah, and Pam is like, can we have another minute? Yeah. And this is when Michael, again, makes perfect sense, and he says, what we need are jobs. We don't need a buyout. That money's not going to last forever. We need employment, and everyone agrees. Yes, this
1: is his teach a man to fish moment.
0: Yes. Right? So when they come back in, that's what Michael is going to say. You have to hire all of us back. And also, in addition to jobs, Michael wants his Sebring again. And his old parking space. But Charles says they don't make Sebrings anymore. Is that true?
1: Lady, you know I had to know.
0: Oh, I'm so glad you looked this up because I didn't look it up and it has been bothering me. All right, Charles is wrong. They are still making
1: the Sebring. This episode aired April of 2009. According to the internet, they made the Chrysler Sebring from 1995 to 2010. And in looking up this fact, I ended up watching several Sebring commercials over the years. Oh, they have you made really. I did.
0: We're invested.
1: I think I watched half an hour worth of commercials. (laughs) Um, Oh, my gosh. They made some really interesting choices in their commercials. But there's one I really needed you to hear. It is from 1995. It's the year the car debuted. Can we please play that Sebring commercial?
0: The new Chrysler Sebring was built upon something called the Goldilocks principle. It occurred to us that while most luxury cars were too big... Most sport coupes were too small. We wanted the Sebring to be, well, just right. It not
1: only has a sporty 24-valve engine and a race-inspired suspension, but
0: it also gives you the luxury of an actual backseat. Which means there's enough room for Goldilocks and three or four of our friends. I can- I have to say, okay, so Sam is not with us this week. He's on vacation. Jordan is filling in, and it is like laughing. I can see her <laughs> I know, laughing at that commercial. Thank you, guys. When watching
1: my half an hour of Chrysler commercials for the Sebring, I'd had a glass of wine. And when we got to this one, I literally did a spit take. I was like, what? And the whole time the car is driving through the woods.
0: Okay. Oh, because of the, Goldilocks. The, and the
1: three bears. Yeah. But when they were like, to fit a few of her friends, I was just like, what? Who that's, are these people? That's when Jordan doubled over. Oh my gosh, I had to share that. So yes, they still had the Sebring. They could have given Michael a Sebring in April of 2009.
0: By the way, I want to say, you know, my friend Stacy, mm-hmm. who I invented the tan baster with? Yes. She drove a Sebring. Oh. And it was a lovely car. I have to say it was kind of like, they're right. It was a Really nice combination of a sporty coupe, but also roomy, but with a comfortable back seat. I don't know. I never sat in the back seat. Well, Goldilocks would have been happy with she it. She could have sat back there. <laughs> also, since we brought up Jordan, Jordan did our song parody, Total Eclipse of the Fart.
1: Yes, that was Jordan who sang that.
0: We're very happy to have you. Thank you for filling in for Sam today. Yes,
1: Sam, I brought cake today, so you missed out on that. I also got it on my sweater as I walked in.
0: Yeah, I noticed it right away when you walked in. And I thought, I don't know, it's ketchup or something. <laughs> <laughs> you thought I had a messy breakfast. I guess I did. I guess I did. I thought I it was left over maybe from the last time you wore it. Jenna. What? I wouldn't leave food on my hoodie and hang it back up. If you didn't notice, you might. Have you never not noticed?
1: It's a pretty big mark right on my boob. I love that my husband, though, didn't say a word as I walked out. Josh, come on. All right. So back to this episode. Would you like to hear how the expense report finished?
0: Yes, please.
1: Because in the script, this is where it would have wrapped up Angela and Andy, their final scene about the expense report. And now, with no further ado, my revised expense report. The deadline's passed. What? When? When you were saying "red at debt do,"
0: it's "red at debt adieu."
1: I know I've always been such a fan of it. <sighs> oh <laughs> wow! Isn't
0: that so delicious? I'm really sad that got cut.
1: Me too. Oh, and as soon as he was like, oh, I just turn around and I don't look at him anymore, and he has to walk away.
0: Well, I have some news for Angela. This power that she's had is going to go away because Michael, Pam, and Ryan get their jobs back. Yep. That's the buyout. The buyout is that they are all now re-employed by Dunder Mifflin, and I guess, is Charles fired? That was never clear to me. No, I don't think he was fired. He's going to show up in Company Picnic again.
1: Yeah, no, my understanding, and I reread the script, so sort of what I inferred is that He's just getting reassigned.
0: Well, he's going to be out of Scranton, obviously. But originally, Michael says, I want him fired. And David's like, I'm not going to do that, Michael. Yeah. No, he's a good employee.
1: He's maybe not a good fit right here in the Scranton branch. But he's going to still have his other branches.
0: To manage. To manage. To oversee. That's right. That's how I saw it. Okay, Because the whole thing kind of ends with Charles trying to say goodbye. But Michael says, no, no, you're done. And that's the same line that Charles said to Michael in two weeks. Oh. So this is some good Michael sass. Yeah, Michael held on to that. He really did. And then there's this talking head by Michael that kind of ends the episode where he's just sort of wrapping up this whole storyline of having had this paper company. And Randy shared with us that this was added later. It was not in the original script. They even shot it about two weeks after we shot the rest of this episode.
1: Do you want to know what was in the original shooting draft?
0: Yes, please.
1: Well, there were two final goodbyes to Charles that got cut. Any guesses who would want to make sure they said goodbye to Charles, Jenna? Um, I'm imagining it was the ladies who had their ear to the door. (laughs) Who fought over a scarf in the rain. Yes, Angela and Kelly. So in the script, there was this tag. As Charles is leaving, Angela approaches him and she says, It was an honor. And Charles says, okay then. And he leaves. Dwight looks out the window as Kelly waits for Charles, sitting on the hood of his car sexily. Oh
0: my gosh.
1: As Charles approaches, we see Kelly is sitting on the wrong car. (laughs) She runs over to Charles, but doesn't get there in time. She bangs on the window as he drives off. Charles talking head, never sleep with co-workers, man.
0: What? Wait, what? That's what it ended with. Wait. Co-workers,
1: That's what it said. Never sleep with coworkers, man. Okay. What the heck? That was the ending to this episode. Angela walks up to him, says it was an honor. Kelly tries to sit on his car before he
0: leaves. Hmm. I don't know. Wow. I know. I was like, I have to share that. Okay, well, listen, I'll have you know that in a very early draft, like one of the earliest outlines for this episode, there was another tag. Now, this one didn't even make it into the shooting draft. Okay, because I don't know about this one. Listen to this. My lady, where did you find this? Randy Cordray. Oh, Randy. Here's what it would have been, and I am so bummed that we did not get to do this. You were going to see Pam, Michael, and Ryan packing up Michael Scott Paper Company and before they go, Michael is going to give them each a Scotty, which is the Michael Scott Paper Company version of a Dundee. Oh, with a little Scotty dog? No, no, because Michael Scott. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I thought I thought instead of the man with the briefcase, it was a little
0: Scotty dog. No. I got really excited. It didn't get far enough to know what the statue would be, but they were going to be called Scotties Instead of Dundee's. Instead of Dundee's. And Ryan was going to win one that said, great style. And Pam's said, boobs. Oh, Michael. So good. Pam got a Scotty. Man, I have my Dundies, both my whitest sneakers and my longest engagement. And I so wish I had a Scotty that said boobs.
1: I have my Dundies right next to my Emmy and my SAG Awards. I'm so jealous you
0: have a real Emmy. I know. Angela won an Emmy for the webisodes. The accountants. Mm -hmm.
1: Me and Brian and Oscar
0: won an Emmy, you guys. Mm -hmm. It
1: was really amazing. But what sits right next to my Emmy that more people want to point out when they come to my house are my two Dundies. Tied his ass, and she's kind of a bitch.
0: I've said this before. I am really bummed that I did not win an Emmy for Pam. For Pam. I wanted our gal Pam to win that award. I'll tell you what award Jenna wants to win. What? A Tony Award. (gasps) So my plan, after my kids are grown, I am going to retire in New York City, and I am going to work hard... To get myself in a great Broadway show, I'm going to give the performance of my life. I will vote for you even though I'm not a registered Tony voter. Thank you. And I want to win a Tony. That's the award I want on my shelf more than any other award.
1: I want that for you so desperately. I hope it can happen. I want a Grammy.
0: Ooh, you Uh, aren't a singer. I know. Oh, I know. I want
1: a Grammy because, guys, Jenna and I recently found out that with our book, we'll be doing an audiobook. We're very excited about doing the audiobook. And we found out if you really, really crush it, you can get nominated for a Grammy for your audiobook.
0: Amy Poehler got nominated for a Grammy for her audiobook. That's yes, right. Please.
1: That's right. I want a Grammy. All right, let's get that effing Grammy. Let's get the Grammy and then get you your Tony. We're going to get those awards this year. You get an award and you guys get an award because you're badasses and you get an award and you get
0: an award. Awards all around. Awards everywhere. This was a great episode. I'm going to make you a Scotty. Oh, will you? Is it going to be a Scotty dog? What's it going to be? It will be
1: my interpretation of what a Scotty would be. And I'm going to make it myself. So get ready for a second grade... skill set of art and crafting coming your
0: way. I will treasure
1: it. I'm going to get out my glue gun. I'm not kidding. I'm going to make this myself.
0: If we gave out awards for our business of office ladies, which is actually... (gasps) I know what it would be called! Rambleys? Oh, I was going to say... For our company Ramble? A lady. Oh, you get a lady. You get a lady. Should we give out ladies? We could give out ladies. Okay, Cassie and Jordan are nodding yes. We'll give out some ladies.
1: Oh, let's do it. All right. All right. You guys, thank you so much for listening. We just love you all. And thank you for sending in your comments and your questions and being here every week with us. We hope you have a great day.
0: We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Office Ladies. Office Ladies is produced by Earwolf, Jenna Fisher, and Angela Kinsey. Our show is executive produced by Cody Fisher. Our producer is Cassie Jerkins, our sound engineer is Sam Kiefer, and our associate producer is Ainsley Bubico.
1: Our theme song is Rubber Tree by Creed Bratton. For ad-free versions of Office Ladies, go to stitcherpremium.com. For a free one-month trial of Stitcher Premium, use code OFFICE.